know that God's got a word and it is for us today. Who's looking forward to that? Well, there's been so much things going on in the life of the church and I'm so excited about the things that we're still yet to do. So we've got some big building plans coming up uh, for out the front. You'll see uh, as you come over the next few months. So hopefully they, those things can start soon. I'm always eager for things to start. So who loves to see things start? And uh, I can't wait for things to start. So keep your eyes out for the changes around here. Um, tonight, I really want to speak on a subject that I think every single one of us struggles with at some point in time. Even those who seem to be the most secure suffer with this thing. So <clears throat> it's not an uncommon thing um, for each one of us at some point in our life to struggle with insecurities. Um, for some, we struggle with insecurities about our body, uh, about the way we look. You can't all look like me. <laughs> so my apologies, but some people think they're too short, some people think they're too tall, some people think they're too wide or too skinny. <clears throat> some, some other people, they, they, they feel insecure because of the kind of stuff they have about the car they drive about the the other things like that you know the the, the house they live in and there's all kind of uh things in life that cause us to have the baggage of insecurity um sometimes it's our social standing if only i had the right friends if only i was in the right church if only i had the right job if only i had the right title if everyone called me the reverend doctor like they should then I feel a lot better about myself. <clears throat> but whatever the thing is for you, I'm not joking. <laughs> whatever the thing is for you, tonight I hope you can understand something, but you cannot afford to live subject to insecurity. You can't afford to allow insecurity to define you. So we're continuing our series on growing tonight. So this is growing part 911, <laughs> growing past insecurity. And I, I really sense today that uh, it is probably one of the major blockages to people growing is, is uh, insecurity in our being, in our person, because it affects almost everything, the way we view life, the way we treat people, the way we talk about ourselves is all uh, subject to insecurity. So tonight, we're going to discover how to grow through or past insecurity. So who's interested? Okay, there's four people interested. The rest of us, we can start dinner now. There's Euros on, let's go. <coughs> Everyone, big stampede. <coughs> but insecurity, if you're taking notes, you need to, to catch this. Insecurity has a brother called intimidation and they're almost twins but the two operate together to distort the way we see life so intimidation often is connected to insecurity so when we feel insecure we feel intimidated by by things around us by people by by circumstances uh, can intimidate us because that 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 has a power because we're insecure about ourselves we don't, have a, we don't have security, so we, we, we worry about things that we don't need to worry about. So, <clears throat> where were we up to? The two brothers. 
So insecurity affects behaviour. It affects the way we treat other people uh, and the way we make decisions. And sometimes we can make the wrong decision because we're, we're operating with insecurity as our, our uh, framework for that decision. So how we view life in general uh, is worse when insecurity is our friend. So when you're going on a journey, you don't want insecurity on the seat next to you. I heard a really funny joke, by the way. A blonde joke. Can we do blonde jokes? You can do blonde jokes. Well, there's, there's a really, really funny joke. <clears throat> Should we save it for later on? Okay. All right. Um, this, there, there is, how, how do we sort of exclude blonde people here from being offended? There was a blonde, a blonde girl got on an aeroplane and sat in first class. Have you heard this? No, I haven't heard it. And she sat down in first class and the stewardess said, excuse me, miss, this is not your seat. You have to go back to, to your section. And she said, I'm blonde and I'm beautiful and I'm going to sit in this seat until we touch down in New York. And the stewardess said, look, I'm sorry, miss, but you, you can't stay here. She said, I'm blonde and I'm beautiful. I'm staying here until we get to New York. And so the stewardess went and got a, another male student and said, look, this lady's in the wrong spot. She's in first class. She's supposed to be out the back. She won't move. I don't know what to do. So he goes, says, excuse me, miss, you're going to have to move. This is not your seat. Uh, this is first class. And she said, I'm blonde and I'm beautiful and I'm not leaving this seat until we touch down in New York. So they don't know what to do. The plane's filling up with people. There's other people getting nervous and they're wondering what to do about this woman in the wrong spot. And so they start to have a discussion and, and one of the uh, senior members of the flight crew comes along and says, what's going on? They said, there's this lady in, in first class and she won't move. She reckons she's not going to leave first class until we get to New York. And he goes, it's okay, my wife's blonde. I know exactly what to do. <laughs> so he goes and he talks to this woman and she gets up in a hurry and rushes back to where she's supposed to be and takes a seat. And the, the stewardess and the head steward say, well, how, how did you do that? What did you tell her? And he said, I told her this plane's not touching down. Uh, the first class is not touching down in New York. And she's like... <laughs> so we get back to the story. So how all the blondes can leave the room, sorry. <clears throat> but not only does insecurity affect our person, uh, personal state of mind, it affects others around us. It affects our family, it affects our church, it affects the, the people we do sport with, the people who we work with every day. It affects us in those areas. So insecurity allows intimidation to grow and we actually push others away when we, allow uh, when we allow insecurity to rule in our life. And often we want to have friends. Often we want to gather people around us. And, and we see others thinking, they're so popular. They've got so many friends. And, and all these people want to be around them. And, but that doesn't work for me because insecurity causes us to put prickles out and causes us to actually push people away. But what we actually really want is for people to be attracted to us. So in insecurity has a powerful impact upon our life that we need to realize and manage so that we can have the outcomes that we actually want and not the outcomes that we don't want. So often the root behind angry outbursts and gossip is insecurity. So evaluating, um, evaluating a secure person 
as a person who's very forthright or domineering. Um, you know, sometimes we, we might see someone and think, well, they're, they're, they speak their mind, they, they, they're really domina- domineering, they always want to control situations. And sometimes we have a, 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 a misrepresentation thinking that's a very secure person, but often that is actually a smokescreen and a mask to a, a, a intense insecurity within them because they're like, I've got to control, I've got to, be, I've, got to, I've got to tell people what I think, I've got to let them know because deep down inside there's an insecurity problem. You know, the other, the, sometimes the, the really big tough guy who's like, don't come close to me, brick wall, I'm like, well, I don't say too much, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm the man and, and, and keep this sort of distance between everyone. The reason behind that big, that big mask is because deep inside they're saying, I'm a marshmallow, I'm so soft, and I don't want anyone to see how, how vulnerable I really am. So they put on this big thing and cover themselves and, with, with a, a veneer of toughness um, that, that isn't really tough at all. So I'm not going to cover the symptoms today of insecurity, but that would be fun, but I'd probably expose myself too much. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, he's talking about me. No, we're just not going to go to those uh, levels tonight. But maybe another day we might look at some of those symptoms of insecurity and how, that, how it plays out, what it actually looks like in real life. But one of the great examples of an insecure person that we can find in the Bible is King Saul. And when I was putting this message together, I found just stacks and stacks of examples of people who, who have done things because really they've been insecure and they've they've made wrong decisions and actually walked out of the plan of God for their life and missed the purpose that God had intended for them. So tonight we're going to look at King Saul and his relationship with a a young man, a shepherd boy called David. Um, And that relationship, um, how it plays out in Saul's life. So um, we're going to look at that first. And, and I guess that's a, that's a negative example. But we're going to finish off tonight by looking at Jesus, who's a very powerful example of someone who is totally secure in who he is and in his call and his purpose in life. So, <clears throat> wait, I've gone too, too far. It says this in 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 to 9, and we'll just go through each verse. They'll come up on the screen. It says, whatever Saul asked David to do, now Saul, if you don't know, was a king. And David was, was just a, a shepherd guy who, who was in the, in the kingdom. So whatever Saul asked David to do, or asked if you come from West Heidelberg, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, which is Goliath, if you know the story of David and Goliath, well, this is, they're coming home after that. Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. Uh, this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So King Saul has a problem initiated in his personal insecurity. So it's not that that wasn't already there. It just needed a trigger in his life to bring it out. 
And so the trigger in this situation was somebody else being successful. So there's a progression where insecurity took Saul that you don't want to do. So there's a progression that goes in life when we allow insecurity to get a, a foothold or a place in our life. So <clears throat> I think if I put the next thing up, I might show them all straight away. Here's the progression of insecurity. First thing we see from Saul, he became angry. He had, he had an anger in his spirit that was, uh, that, that was from his insecurity. So he became very angry um, and having others celebrate a great victory, uh, insecurity caused Saul to fear losing his status. So others were celebrating, others were singing, making songs about David and the great things that he's just done and Saul can't celebrate, he just gets angry. The second thing we see, um, he doesn't like to share the credit. So uh, he's not sharing the credit with others, he's intimidated by the, sec by the success of other people. And so we see a progression starting to take hold in his, in his life. The third thing we see um, is he becomes jealous and jealousy leads to irrational behavior. And so when someone's driven by jealousy, they will do all manner of, of unusual things that don't seem to make sense. But in their, in their world, in their mindset, they're thinking, I have to do this because I've got to protect myself or I've got to, I've got to put them in their place. Have you ever heard people say that? We've got to put them in their place. But the thing we need to do to grow and to grow past our insecurities is to uh, stop or interrupt the progression of insecurity. And we can do that. We can stop the, the progression of insecurity in our life. The final conclusion for King Saul, because he didn't interrupt, he didn't stop the level of his insecurities, uh, it progressed and it turned to murderous intent. So... It's a dangerous thing to, let, to leave uncovered. It says in 1 Samuel 18, 11 and 1 Samuel 19, verse 10, it said, Saul hurled his spear at David on two occasions and tried to pin him to the wall. I mean, that's a nice way to, to spend the holidays, pin to the wall. <clears throat> so unchecked, insecurity can even cause a king to behave disgracefully he's a king he should be better than that he should be bigger than that but he's not because he's allowing insecurity to control his emotions and so insecurity is more often linked to low self-worth but left unchecked it actually drives others out of your life i've mentioned that before but it drives other people away from you and sometimes insecurity can be a very lonely experience because your, your family will, will be driven away. Your friends will be driven away. People around you who should be uh, your, your friends and, and your, your greatest supporters, will be, they'll be taking steps back from you because they find that your intimidation is speaking louder than anything else. Oh, sorry, your insecurity, not intimidation. Sorry about that. See, insecurity caused Saul to feel intimidated and he responded with a nasty reaction and if i were david i would have left after the first spear i was there see ya <clears throat> but obviously saul he's an extreme example of insecurity if we look back on his life it became it, it, it 
his life became uh, started i should say began is the right word i'm trying to think of his life began being called into being the king very innocently very inoffensively but because of insurmountable um insecurity it ended badly so you can start well but you can end badly if you don't learn to take hold of and master the insecurities that want to master you if we look at 1 samuel 10 verse 22 at the day of his uh, anointing ceremony to become king it says he was hiding among the baggage see insecurity can be misinterpreted as humility in that case i think that the the key element there in his life is he had the insecurity already there already part of what his thing was and and there was going to be a great ceremony to to um, anoint the new king Uh, samuel the prophet was going to anoint the king and saul who was the person supposed to be center stage was hiding and we might think, well, that, that's, that shows a level of humility, but I think it really was, was uh, uh, insecurity being played out already way back at that, that time in his life. And later on in life, towards the, the end of his career, um, the, the, the prophet Samuel confronts Saul again, and it says this in uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And, and this is a word from God that Samuel, Samuel says to Saul, he goes, here's a word from God. Although you may think little of yourself because you have massive insecurities, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? Basically, aren't you the king? But you don't think like a king. You're still wrapped in your insecurities like the day when you were anointed, when you were hiding in the baggage and you haven't mastered that insecurity and it's affecting the whole, the whole kingdom now. And so what God says to him at that point is the kingdom is going to be taken off you. And so if we don't learn to deal with insecurity, we, we can lose more than it's worth. So we, we might as well learn to deal with the insecurity and remove that from our life rather than removing relationships and friends and marriages and all these other things that can be affected by, by this insecurity that we don't deal with. Saul's unchecked insecurity had overwhelmed his life. He lost credibility and he lost his authority. And he lost the throne. So some thoughts from the... There's an excellent book uh, by Paul de Jong. It's called Isolating Insecurity. I just want to give you a, a few quotes from that book. Second only to sin, insecurity is life's major blockage. That's an amazing little statement there. Insecurity blocks our ability to find our own value. Our lives end up a a performance where we are ruled by what others think. Distrust is the breeding ground of increasing insecurity. Now let's get more positive from now. And we're going to look at some ways we can build security or confidence in who we are and what God thinks about us, what God's saying. So, and I don't think there's any better example than Jesus himself as a a man secure in the things of God, secure in his call, secure in his dealings with people, even those who were uh, opposing him. So I just want us to to look, if you have your Bibles there, Mark chapter 8, 
verses 11 to 13. And we pick up the story where Jesus is traveling around doing a bit of a tour and they're traveling by boat from place to place. And he, he uh, reaches this particular point. It says, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a, a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And I know that oftentimes people will try and, and intimidate us with things like this because they, wanna, they, wanna, um, they want to take advantage of an individual's insecurity. And for most people, that would be enough to say, wow, you know, that is heavy duty. But when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I'll not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them. And he crossed to the other side of the lake. I, I, I shared this with quite a few different people, lots, lots of different preachers. And they go, is that really in the Bible? Oh, yes, it is. Mark chapter 8, verse 11 to 13. It's not a, not a common one to preach from. But sometimes we, we, these, these, uh, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, were trying to confront Jesus, trying to expose an insecurity in his life. And you know what? He said, I'm not playing that game. I'm not going there. And sometimes we need to know that it's not being insecure where we say, I'm not going to answer this kind of a question. I don't have to prove myself to you. So that shows a, a deep level of security that Jesus says, I'm not here to perform for your, for your entertainment. Miracles and the power of God are not for our entertainment. It's not for, for our, for our uh, visual experience. They, they are there to change people's lives, to bring about the power of God into a situation, not for someone's entertainment value. And that's what these guys were wanting Jesus to perform, an entertainment session for them. <clears throat> so he shows great level of security that we can emulate. So the whole, the whole key there is I just say, don't get drawn into people's expectations. Jesus was God. Jesus could have said, yeah, I'll show you. What, what do you want to see? Make, make some, make some you know, things happen in the sky. Anything you want, he can do it. Do you, do you want me to, 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 to you know, create something? Create anything you want. I can, I, can, I can make people out of dirt. I can turn rocks into bread. I can do anything you want. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to get drawn into this because I know who I am. The, the, next, the next thing is when Jesus was on trial with King Herod. And it says that, that, that Pilate sent him to Herod. And it says Herod was delighted that, at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him. He wanted to see him perform a miracle. Same story kind of thing, just with a different person. And he asked question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. You see, Jesus didn't feel any obligation to perform or to prove himself. He was completely secure in himself, completely secure in his call, completely secure in his relationship with the Father. And sometimes people want to argue. It says that, 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 uh, that those Pharisees and the religious leaders, they began to argue with Jesus. They wanted to demand something out of him. And he didn't respond to that. So growing past insecurities, I want to give you three quick points that you can take home with you tonight and apply and hopefully grow 
in that area, grow past that area. So number one, first thing you need to do is be happy who you are. Be happy who you are. <clears throat> you can't be somebody else and you don't need somebody else's stuff. Because sometimes insecurity can be a huge thing because we're trying to be someone else. It was really fantastic this week. We had, we had someone who wants to be Elvis in Port Lincoln. And I heard apparently it was a really good show. But I'm still jealous that it's not me. But you've, th th another part, we can sometimes want to be someone else, which is sad. I grew up in, in, in school. There was a kid who wanted to be Fonzie, if you remember who he was. So this kid went around with a jacket on all the time and going, hey. But he was, wasn't Fonzie. We all knew that, but he thought he was. Some people here are saying, who's Fonzie? Get a life. All the blonde ladies are like, he's Fonzie. Um, I'm going home now. Actually, I might go to someone else's house. Can I stay at Kyle's house tonight? I think it'd be safe. <clears throat> but you've got to develop a healthy self-perspective. Comparing yourself will lead to jealousy and unnecessary pain. The other thing we, we often, we, we, we have insecurity about our, our own image, as I mentioned earlier at the start, but we also have insecurities because we, we don't have enough stuff or we don't have the right, we don't have enough income or we, 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 we want a better car or, or all these things that we compare ourselves with others with, but they lead to pain. So sometimes you've got to, you've got to get to a place in life where you're happy with what you have and who you are and that's the launching pad for God to do something really powerful in your life. Because if you're not happy with who you are, you're saying, God, you're not good enough for me. You didn't make me right. God, you didn't give me the right stuff. God's much greater than that. Because the Pharisees, and that they're saying, show us, show us your stuff, Jesus, and then we'll believe you. Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. So sometimes Jesus isn't going to start dishing out the stuff. Give him a new car, give him a new house, give him a new wife, give him a... Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the old one. But, you know, he's not going to start dealing out the cards to, to fulfill all those things. Does that make sense? So comparing yourself will lead to jealousy and unnecessary pain. Um, the thing you need to, to get is Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows who you are and he loves you who you are. Deuteronomy 38, uh, 31 verse 8 God says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Whoa, what? Don't be afraid or discouraged. Don't have insecurity, I would put in there. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. If we could grasp a hold of that scripture, get your lipstick out and guys and write it on the mirror. Jimmy, Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, the Lord will never leave me, never, never fail me. Don't be discouraged. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name, you're mine. So God knows you. He knows everything about you. So when insecurity knocks, remind yourself you're called by God and have no reason to be intimidated by insecurity. Jesus 
has called my name. You've got to tell yourself that. Jesus has called my name. And you've got to find yourself in God's calling. There is security in that. Sometimes we don't feel secure because we're so far out of God's call and God's purpose that, that we're, we're, a, we're a target for the enemy's lies. So to, to protect yourself from those lies, you've got to find ways to position yourself closer and closer to the call and the purpose that God created you for. When you're outside of that, you're, gonna, you're just going to get shot to pieces. You're like a sitting duck. Quack, quack. But security is found in humility. Leaving your cause in the hands, in the hands of Jesus, uh, let, let God sort things out. Go through open doors and walk away from closed ones. Sometimes we get massive insecurities created because we're shaking on a door, we're kicking it, we're banging it, we're, we're pushing it open and we're going in, but it's not the place God wants for us. He's saying, get out of there. Get back out of there. Because you know what? We're, we're, spiritually, we've got to understand when we come to something that we can't get into, it's like, like you think, oh, I want to be in ministry or I want to do this or that. It might not be the right time for you. It may not be the right place. But we think we know what's good for us. And we think, God, I want to, I want to get in there and I want to do that. And we push and we stick our foot in and we get, we get you know, closer and closer to prizing open that thing. The reason why we face closed doors is so that unauthorized entry can't be made. And so when you come to a closed door, you think, that's unauthorized. Maybe it's for someone else, but it's not for me. So you know what you do? You turn around and you find one that's open and you walk through that. It's so simple. And so many people saying, oh, I want to be this, I want to be that. I wonder why God doesn't, you know what? Just, you just got to stop pushing on the wrong door and you'll turn around, you'll find something that's open and go in there and serve in that. I just got to do a plug for Aaron. I just want to really honor Aaron today. Because he puts so much time into our lighting system and, and doing all this stuff. He's here a lot. All, I can't say all the time. He's here a lot. Because he's taking initiative to say lights matter. And you know, for every person who serves in, in, in the team here in the church, whatever it is that is in front of you, that matters. So don't turn up on Sunday and go, oh, well, nothing's organized. Oh, this is broken. Oh, this doesn't work. You've got, to, you've got to realize what matters. And if, if a light matters to God, and Aaron says, well, you know, I mean, God says, hey, look at that Aaron. He's saying to some, some other people who are already in heaven, hey, look at Aaron. He loves them lights. He's, he's in that church all the time, just making sure them lights work. You know what? We better give him some people to look after. Because if he can look after lights, he's going to be able to look after people. If you, can't look after, if you can't look after lights or a coffee or an urn or, or, or setting up a table or whatever, then God will never trust you with anything else. Oh, I upset all the, all the other people now. Isaiah 43 verse 1, what did that say? Can't remember. See, your identity and your worth must be found in Jesus, uh, not what you do or what your title is. It's got to be found in Jesus. So when you, when you have that security of who you are in Jesus, then, then things chase after you. Things chase after those who chase after Jesus. When you have a security saying, God, I just want to, I want to serve you. And, and, and I believe truly that Aaron just does, using him as an example, he does those lights because he loves the Lord, because he wants to do something for God. And when you have that perspective, then, then 
God opens doors for you. God opens a way for you. When we're trying to think, well, I've got, I, I deserve it. Why don't they notice me? I can preach better than him. You know, probably most 10-year-olds can preach better than that. But security is found in that word called humility. True humility. Not insecurity humility, but humility. Where we say, you know what? I'm not fussed really what people say. I'm not trying to defend myself all the time. I'm not trying to prove myself. The second one, second key, is stay connected. <clears throat> Be accountable to true friends and trusted leaders. Don't isolate yourself. It leads to unchecked emotions. That's why it's really, really important that we, that we keep connections of accountability. Sometimes people say, oh, well, what, I, I, I want to be in, in this place or that place or in a place of uh, connection. But you know, the reason why there's a power in that is because you've got to allow yourself to be accountable to others. Be accountable to other people. So um, insecurity loves isolation and grows rapidly there. Left unattended in a darkened room, isolation grows madly. Stay connected to people. Stay connected in fellowship. Be with people that motivate, correct, and love you. So you've got to be motivated sometimes. You've got to be corrected sometimes. And sometimes you've just got to have, you've got to have people around who just love you. Who just say, let's have an ice cream. Proverbs 12, verse 25. I'm oh, sorry. It says, Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. The godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. So I want you to test this for yourself. Do those you turn to when it comes to heart matters? Sometimes we've got heart matters. We think, I just want to talk to somebody but we're turning to the wrong somebody and they turn us astray by encouraging our insecurity to grow. Or is it the opposite? Do they motivate and challenge us past our insecurity to who we are in God? And, and I know there's been plenty of times in my life where, where I've turned to people about heart issues and they've reinforced my insecurity. They've said, oh, you know, that's, you know, they just reinforce that insecurity. The third thing is honour the achievement of others. See, this is what Saul didn't do well because David won an incredible feat for the kingdom, for the whole nation. And Saul can't see past that. He says, you know what? I don't care what he did. I'm not celebrating that because people aren't celebrating me anymore. It's a bad place to be. So, be glad when somebody wins. Their win is your win. We've got to see that winning, uh, winning affects us all. And we need to celebrate and we need to honour the achievement of other people, especially in church. Romans 12.15 says, Be happy with those who are happy. And if Saul had not allowed insecurity to be the judge of David's win against Goliath, he could have rewarded David instead he was threatened by David and he was intimidated by David. In the Olympic Games, that's one of the places we see in modern times where rivals compete really seriously. It's a serious level of competition there. 
Um, but there is something special that goes on between rivals when they honour each other, winner or loser, on the day. You see that a lot. You, you see it in the swimming pool a lot. You see it on the track. You see it in the boxing ring, in, in the Olympics. Winner or loser, there's, there's something about the heart of the person when, when they honour each other's effort, whether they win or lose. And there's an there's a, a, a honour and a respect towards each other. Now, here's a great saying from one of the amazing prophets who formed my way of thinking like as, as I grew up. Bugs Bunny. I tell you, I got, I got more inspiration and more life values from Bugs Bunny, uh, um, Gilligan, Maxwell Smart. The prophet, prophetic voices into my generation. People are saying, who's Bugs Bunny? But in his own words, and I, I caught, kind of didn't understand it, at, you know, growing up, but he used to say, if you can't beat them, join them. If you can't beat them, join them. Now, it's a great saying from Bugs Bunny. But don't view another person's success as your failure. Turn that around and be part of the celebration. Whoa. Change your mindset. Don't make someone else's success your failure. Now, I just, just did a little bit of research and I, I couldn't even work out what the numbers meant. Like, like, I wanted to find out how many people there are in the world right now. And of September 2016, it was something like, I, I couldn't work out the numbers. I'm like, is that what? Uh, so it, it's something like this. Seven and a half, no, 75 and a half billion people, sort of, <laughs> give or take. But there's seven and a half billion people, seven and a half thousand billion people, whatever it is. Lots of, lots of. <laughs> if you thought I was intelligent now, I just proved it. But you know what? When you think of how many people there are on the earth and you're here and you have an opportunity to do something with your life, you've you got to say, I'm going to choose to be a winner. I'm going to choose to defeat my insecurities. I'm going to be a person who celebrates other people's success. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of their celebration so you've got to apply these principles to life and I believe they'll help you to shake off insecurity because security will get on you, insecurity, sorry, will get on you any way it possibly can. It'll, what people say to you can cause insecurity to get on you. How people treat you will cause insecurity to get on you. Where you were born can cause insecurity to get on you. What you know or don't know, if you can't work out the, the, the figures of how many people there are on the earth, can cause insecurity to get on you. Don't worry about it. Tonight's a great opportunity to allow God right into our heart and deal with insecurity. So we're going to pray and after that, when you go home, 
when you leave this place, you're going to have to confront your own insecurity attitudes. They're going to come at you whether you want them or not. You know, it's like coming, ready or not. Well, sometimes we're not ready, but they just want to get on us. So I want to remind you of those keys tonight. If you can take these with you, be happy who you are and say, I'm happy who I am. I'm happy with the life of God. But when you start to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with my future. Things can turn, things can change, things can get better. Second thing, stay connected. If you're not in a church, you need to find a church. You need to find a place where you belong, a place where you, where, that challenges you, a place that grows you, a place that develops you, a place that, that loves you, that you've got other people who have the same mission and the same vision and the same purpose. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight and honour God. Oh, Sorry, you, you can honour God, that's good, but honour the achievements of other people. And I'll tell you, when you start to honour other people for their achievements, when you start to say, I'm going to celebrate with you, uh, you know, even if you feel like they got my job, they got the thing I was going after, celebrate with them. Be part of the party with them. It's much more fun than going home and letting insecurity grow into your spirit. But untangle yourself from insecurity and become secure in yourself. As many of you know who are part of our church, the, the key for us this year is the word grow or growing and i know that the holy spirit wants to grow in us and one of the one of those anchors that he'll cause us or to uh, to cause us to stay small or put a lid on us or try and um, manipulate us to stay small is insecurity so today i know this is not a kind of message that that you know if, if i was you know preaching this to myself which i was when i wrote it I'm like, I'm not going to respond to that because everyone will think I'm insecure. Yes, I am. But I'm not going to ask you to come down the front today because you might be too embarrassed to do that. And then I'd feel really insecure because no one responded to the altar call. So what I'm going to do is you don't even have to raise your hand. You don't even have to respond in any way like that. But you know in your heart, this is something that has baffled me. This is something that has, has uh, uh, kept me away from all that I know what I can be. If that's you, why don't we just bow our heads? I want to pray a prayer of breakthrough for you today. So Holy Spirit, just pray for every person here today. Lord, especially those who are saying, you know, I feel so insecure. I feel so intimidated by people. I feel so, uh, so caught up with what others say, what other people think, what I think other people think. Lord, I pray right now. Lord, for an, a, a, a dynamic move of the Holy Spirit across this place, over those thoughts, and we subject them to Jesus right now. Lord, I pray for those keys that we spoke about tonight, that, that they will remain in our spirit, that we, we won't leave them here in this building, but we'll take them home with us. And Lord, I pray that 2016 year be an incredible year of breaking past in insecurity in our lives that we start to change the way we deal with people. We, we start to change the way we see our circumstance. We start to change the way in which we minister in the house of God. That Our whole life will change because we've come to understand and we've shaken off and we've been released from the intimidation of insecurity. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, in the power of His blood, 
over every person that has been held down and subject to insecurity. We break it in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, God. Let's give the Lord a hand tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for coming out to church tonight. I hope that you can go home set free from insecurities today and grow this year to all that you can be. We're going to have tea just in a sec. We're just going to need some people to help us to pack up these chairs on this side. So if we can get all those people uh, you know, out of there and we'll pack the chairs up and put some more tables out if you can help. That is fantastic. Also... Parents, if you've got kids here, we just pray. Uh, don't, don't, we don't pray. We, we, we ask that you supervise your kids uh, getting their dinner and, uh, and, and all that sort of stuff just so that uh, it's not out of control. But uh, just be aware of, of what your kids are getting. And uh, if you don't want them to eat certain foods, you, you be the ones to monitor that. So um, God bless you. I've had a great night. Hopefully you have too. And we'll see you all here next Sunday.